Thursday, 5 p.m. Eastern, 4 p.m. Central, 2 p.m. Pacific, and 3 p.m. Mountain. I'm Fred McMurray, and this is the Pillars of Franchising, where Ray Pillar, my co-host, and I try to bring you the secrets of success in franchising. Ray, how you doing today? I am doing absolutely fantastic. The weather here in the Midwest, uh, uh, in Aurora, Illinois, it, it was, well, it still is, in the 40s, expecting a little rain, and uh, it's a gorgeous day, and the sun was shining a little bit, but now it's gone behind a cloud, what can I tell you? Just got back from Indiana, having the coach worked on. So, how about you, Fred? You sound like you're well, on something. Yeah, well, I'm on life. You know what? You survive three stents in your heart, and you start making smart-ass comments while you're still on the operating table, and they're putting the third stent in, and you're cracking up the people in the um, operating room. Yeah, I must be on something. It is a beautiful day here. I mean, uh, I'm looking at the Pacific right now, and the sun's uh, heading down in the west, and the part of the ocean is just blazing fire and yet i still get to wear a hoodie Ooh, i love that hoodie weather my friend i love that hoodie weather so what else is new guy we got why were you in indiana oh just annual maintenance that's having the oil changed and some uh things looked at on the coach just the normal stuff had to spend you an extra the, day there. The mobile it, yes, pillars that. of franchising, mobile broadcasting studio one. Okay. Yes, that one. Have we gotten it? Yeah, I was any? on my way back on Tuesday, and I got about seven miles down the road, and the check engine light came on, and said, <laughs> you know, I better turn around <laughs> because this could be serious. They may have left something off, maybe forgot to put the oil in or something. I don't know. So did you find any good franchisees for us to interview on your I trip? I think we do have someone, but I don't know. That should be, maybe it should be a surprise. What do you think? Well, we got a really cool show today. Um, uh, and, and the topic always, always reminds me of the old movie, um, Adventures in Babysitting. So who's our guest, Ray? I'll let you mangle the, the name and under under introduce her as normal. Oh, okay, <laughs> under introduce her as Christy Wilson Delk, and uh, I didn't think I could mess that name up, so I I didn't ask her how you know sort of the correct pronunciation. <laughs> Hi, Christy. Hi, you. Welcome. Hi, to the Christy. Show. Hi, Fred. Hi, Ray. How are you guys? Alive Good. and happy about it. Where yes. are you today? Thank you for Christine. having me. You know, I am in Central Florida, and more specifically in Winter Park, Florida. It's right outside Orlando, and it is, it used to be a place where the industrialists came down, you know, to get out of the cold back in the day. But now, you know, it's just a lot of locals walking around. We had a little bit of cold weather, but now it's 77. Um, you can wear a hoodie, but you might be a little warm. Um, 
it's a little bit cloudy, not terribly sunny, but you know, good good weather. Definitely good weather. So I remember driving from Tampa one time to um I think I had to go all the way over to the other side to see a client, or maybe actually stop in Orlando, don't remember. But I remember it's, a, it's is it I five that cuts across or I four? They call it alligator alley. Yeah, actually so it's I four that goes okay. across, so that's definitely what you took. And then Alligator Alley is all the way down south that goes from east to west or west to east that okay. cuts through the Everglades. So they both cut through. So, All right, so yeah. my question is, is I remember um, driving that across one night. I think I was going to Harcourt Brace. Um, <laughs> and I saw this huge uh, uh, electric power line uh, high-tension tower that – was shaped in the shape of a big set of Mickey ears, Mickey Mouse ears. Is that still? And that was why I thought, man, they got way too much money. But so is that still there? Yeah, it is. So when uh, Walt, Walt came down and created all of that and bought up all that land real cheap, you know, eventually they created their own city, their own township. And so the power company out there, Lake Buena Vista, I believe it's called, created the power poles to be shaped like Mickey ears. So, yeah, you cannot get away from it, guys. If you live in Central Florida, it's not easy to get away from the mouth. Mice everywhere. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Big rodent. <laughs> no, no. I, I got a question. Alligator Alley, What the first thing, and I think of highways and alligators, I think of truck tire treads all over the place. But, you're talking about a different kind of alligator, are you not? Yeah. So I, I don't know who dubbed it that, but that's literally what's on on the map or, you know, on your GPS. And it's fairly new. I mean, probably, I don't know, 30 years maybe. But before that, there was no way to cut across. So, yeah. So a lot of alligators, a lot of swamp, you know, Everglades. But it's kind of cool. I haven't done it in a long time, but... Before getting involved in franchising, I was a, a manufacturer's rep, and I used to have to go kind of like you did, Brad, you know, from left to, you know, east to west, and I would use it. But I always was a little anxious because what if you broke down, you know? There's hardly anybody on the highway, and, um, yeah, you'd be, be kind of stuck. I definitely well, could use that as a segue for business. <laughs> I was just going to say, I was always afraid of the alligator eating the car I was driving. It was a rental, and then they would have charged me more. Never. Oh. Yeah. No. So, yeah, no. Ray, I go here. In fact, I'm still, I'm in my office, so I don't even have a window in my office. I'm a low oh, no. person on the totem pole at, at Rollins College, so I have no window. But um, we just had a little office party, so, you know. It's that time of year. No. No window? That's horrifying. I yeah. know. I mean, no the whole reason I, I picked this office space was when I walked in the first time, the landlord pointed out back and he said, and they tell me you can see whales go past in, in season. And I went, so. Oh, my gosh. That's incredible. Yeah, don't worry. Ray flips me off from time to time too, so it's all good. 
Actually, quite a few people flip me off at times when I post pictures like that. So, Ray, why don't you take us into franchising? <laughs> okay. So, Christy, all right. You mentioned that you are a teacher at a college. Of, uh, is that correct? Yes. I um, teach principles of business management, also known as Management 101, at a lovely little little uh, liberal arts college in Winter Park, Florida called Rollins College. And I think I'm in my fourth year. That's about right. Yeah, fourth year. And so I teach freshmen. Um, and, you know, it's a blast. It, it is teaching four courses. It's a, it is a lot of work. Um, but I managed to get in, you know, the other things I want to get into. But, um, yeah, I do that. And this was the last day for me, anyway, for finals. So, you know, nice little, I'm ready for a change of pace. So, so you're, saying, I hope all the, you're saying freshmen what? can be taught? <laughs> wow, I learned something today. <laughs> They can be trained, and yeah, I used to work with preschool children. And now I work with freshmen. I don't know what's wrong with me, um, but <laughs> going yeah. the wrong way. Yeah, I know, I know. Um, yeah, it's cool. You know, you can make a difference. I think um, they're still. I don't know. You know, they're anxious about what are they going to do with the rest of their lives, and you try to tie that oh, down a little bit. Okay, you know, let's just think about this semester, but, you know, they're, they're cool, too. I used to probably, like a lot of people, think, oh, millennials, and, of course, this is now the I generation, but the truth is they're pretty cool. You know, they, they care about a lot of things. They um, have a lot more passion about topics that, at least, you know, I don't want to assume everybody's my age, but, you know, more than we did back in the day, but... Um, but also some of the generalities are true, too. You know, they do get distracted. Um, you know, they do. You know, there's some stuff. But all in all, it's been a really great experience. Yeah, I think that was uh, – you answered the question I, I was going to ask you. What, what do you feel is the difference between the generation you're teaching now and, you know, maybe our generation, you know, going back – a long, 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 long time ago. <laughs> Gonna throw a couple more longs in there. my case. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I think that was three longs. So now I'm with you. Um, so for sure, they're concerned about society, and not in terms of. How can I get what I need from um, my job in terms of monetary gain or security? They do have that concern, yes, but not as much. And then concern about and caring about the environment, for sure, that's in sustainability. That's a, that's a big deal. Not into politics, guys. You know, at least, you know these these young people. I'm talking 18 to 22, not into politics, but they do need to hear from people like you, both and 
other people that you bring on your program that not all businesses are going to be super sexy, you know, really great, you know, not not everybody's going to be a rock star. You know, you will find your happy place, but you're going to have to work hard to do that for sure. But they feel, I always, I think this is pretty interesting, they feel a lot of pressure to be kind of uber successful, you know, like these bloggers, the, the, a lot of the young ladies that now have however many millions of followers because they started writing about makeup or um, clothing or, you know, somebody, you know, that created this logo line, you know, retail line, and now they have this whole story and they're written up. So they feel pressure in that way. So I don't think they have that middle balance where, you know, I don't know about you, but I wanted an apartment, a new car, and a dog. I mean, that was like my wish list when I graduated. So I don't know that that's their wish list. Maybe it's to not move in with my parents. (laughs) (laughs) Mm -hmm. (laughs) That's a good goal. Yeah. Yeah. Which I understand is very prevalent now. Yeah. I don't think they're as materialistic. I think that's a fair assumption. But I am no sociologist, my friend. Interesting. I'm not materialistic. I just want to buy a UPS store in the building I rent from. Only worth a couple of million, but never mind. Um, In the works, in the works. So, besides being an educator, you've also written a book, Adventures in Franchise Ownership. Sorry, I'll get the the right (laughs) information later. Um, I like that. I, I, so Good. in yeah. the movie, there's the there's the one scene um, with Vincent D'Onofrio where the little girl gives him her um, her Thor wings and Thor hat, and she's got one of those hammers. And actually, my daughter, um, who was a teacher, bought me a Thor's uh, hammer of Thor years ago. So I get this idea of you know something like that with but with franchises. So uh-huh. disabuse us of that notion. Tell us about the book. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, you know, coming up with a title for a book is not an easy thing, as you know, probably many of your listeners know. But, but the the goal of the book is to help people who, for the most part, are owning franchises currently. There are a lot of, I think, other people that are interested in reading the book or have read the book that got things out of it, but that are sort of in the beginning stages or maybe even the middle of owning a franchise. That might be year two or year five or something like that. And then to be able to pick up almost like a guide, but it's written more like a business tell-all because I tell a lot, um, that will give them more insight to how top-performing franchisees across many, many different segments. I think there's 13 or 14 segments included, um, and including the segment that I was a part of, which was early childhood education, insights into specific areas that they can focus on to help them, I say here, strengthen, protect, and grow their business 
but in just you know more simple term more simple terms you know enjoy their business again feel motivated feel like you know they have a framework for growth um staying engaged it's so that they can get everything they 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 want out of their ownership time so it is an adventure as anyone who owns a business franchise or otherwise knows and so these are different tales but Every chapter focuses on a specific um, kind of constructive um, action you can take that will help you, um, you know, believe in what you're doing more and enjoy it more. Ta-da. And, and that brings to mind the P word. Uh, it's not pillar. <laughs> <laughs> it's passion. <laughs> I mean, it's ah, helpful to have passion for what you're doing. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. What are your thoughts on, on, on that, Christy? Yeah, you know, it turns out that I was normal when I had my franchise and I was in about year four or five. My passion started waning a little bit. And then I did certain things. I decided to expand and so on. But it turns out that losing a little bit of motivation, losing some of that joy, you know, happens. It might happen year four. It might happen year seven. And so in our industry, the tenure of franchise ownership, you know, isn't as long as you might expect. It's something like eight years, something like that. And so I believe that, you know, when a person still has passion for their business, and you have to, you know, kind of self-medicate. You have to figure out how to do that. And that's what this book is about. Did you like that, self-medicate? Yeah, I was thinking about half of California. (laughs) Oh, okay, okay. Yeah, and so you have to figure out, okay, how do I restore my passion, my motivation, and, you know, wouldn't that be cool if I did that in a way that made my revenue grow? Also, obviously, hopefully, increase your bottom line um, and helped me manage my business better, gave me a framework for doing that. So passion doesn't come easily if you're overwhelmed, you're you know practicing ADZ business management, and you're all over the place. And, you know, been there, done that, no shame. But you have to have, I believe, you know, some order and some, um, you know, I'll say framework again for growing your business and rewarding others and creating new opportunities for yourself. And sometimes that means adding a second franchise or a third or another brand. You know, many times it means, you know, you're ready for some growth. So passion is huge. And when it wanes, it feels horrible. Horrible. I, I think I've right. found myself leaning in Go that ahead, direction, right? looking for expansion, looking for something else. Uh, but uh, I think recently, though, uh, oh, it's, is it, I, I'm sorry, Fred, you're, you're trying to interrupt me because it's that time, isn't it? Yes, my friend, I was. But I was going to let you finish your question. So do you want to finish your question or not? 
Oh, it's not really a question. It's a statement. So we can finish go it ahead, when finish we get it. back from the commercial. Yes, go All ahead. right. So if, if we're going to – we'll take a – as Ray has finally gotten to it, we'll take a moment for uh, station identification or at least to thank the Link Local Network for broadcasting us and remind our callers that, A, they can uh, ask questions through the website at www.pillarsoffranchising.com. That's www.pillarsoffranchising.com. Or you can call in at 323-580-5755. That's 323-580-5755. And now a word from our friend Nick. Ever wonder how successful business people get educated about franchise business options? The Franchise Consulting Company is a group of over 100 franchise professionals with more than 2,000 years of franchise experience. We help our clients select and investigate franchise companies. And like a realtor, our services are free of charge to you. Our fees are paid by the seller. Reach out to us to learn more and get a free copy of the Franchise MBA, the number one bestseller and highest reviewed book on Amazon in the franchise category. Our website is thefranchiseconsultingcompany.com or feel free to call us on 800-321-6072. All right, and then because I have now become addicted to this clip. (laughs) (laughs) As God is my witness. I thought turkeys could fly. <laughs> Sorry, that just keeps cracking me up and making me happy. Go ahead. <laughs> Go ahead, So a little side note about that clip, by the way. I know someone who had a turkey fly into their windshield while driving, so they can fly a little bit, <laughs> especially when you hit them. I'll give you, I'll give you another turkey story. Then Christine can give her favorite uh, turkey stories. And um, the <laughs> British Royal Air Force was uh, testing new jet engines for um, anti-impact uh, uh, bumpers, or, you know, to, from in-flight uh, collisions from like birds and stuff like that. So they asked NASA, how do they tested them? And NASA said, well, we use turkeys. And, and so they tested them and they were horrified because the turkeys just kept crushing through the machines. And they said to NASA, what are we doing wrong? And NASA said, saw the turkeys. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Yeah. It's helpful. <laughs> That's terrible. Um, you got a favorite story? Anyway, what we were talking about before the turkeys was uh, I find myself looking, you know, to expand a little bit or something, something like that. And, and but the reason for that is is not necessarily a lack of of uh, interest in my business. It was uh, uh, that I had delegated so successfully that I found. I was able to find spaces in my time of, of my day to expand in different directions. So I just wanted to make that point. No, I think, that's, to- I think that's awesome. You, you know, you were practicing by delegating and then assuming, you know, your 
you've got accountability factored in there, which you must have because you had time to do something else, um, you know, and then you were able to grow your business. But a lot of business owners aren't able to do that successfully. So the delegating part or they delegate and then they get caught back up in what they delegated or they didn't hold the people accountable in a specific way, you know, for the success or lack of success. So running your business really well definitely is, um, you know, something that can restore passion and maybe give you time to, you know, if you're Fred, go to the beach or, you know, whatever you want to do. But for some people, for me and for others that were sort of in that middle period, like 30s, maybe early 40s, you know, I still have a, had a kid in school. You know, I couldn't really go anywhere. And so I was getting a little bored because my business was running really well. And so rather than going, okay, what's next, and taking my eye off the ball, I thought, well, it was time to expand. So the passion, wherever you can find it, or however you need to find it, you know, I think just knowing that it wanes is what's important. So, mm-hmm. and if it starts to wane, that's normal, in my opinion. Yes. So, yeah. So, All right. One so of the pieces of advice I, I try to give people is you need to start thinking about delegating very early when you start a business. Don't, because owners get caught up in, in because they are wearing so many hats all the time that they forget about what's going to happen a year, two, three years, four years down the road. And for me, the easiest way to do that was what do I hate doing in the business? And I thought about mm-hmm. how can I get rid of that? <laughs> how can I stop doing that part of the business and delegate it to someone else? So there's a little tip there for owners who may be listening. What do you hate doing? Yeah. See if you can delegate it. Yeah. All right. Yeah. And and then you can do something that you love about your business with the other part. Maybe it's community engagement. Yes. Maybe it's figuring out some loyalty programs for your staff or, you know, depending on your franchise um, or relationship, uh, you know, discussing new services and, you know, or doing something with the franchise or testing things. Yeah, all that stuff. Exactly. That's some great advice, if you ask me, that you, you need to get good at delegating. And you have to you have to check up on them because, you know, it starts to slip if you don't. But, yeah, I think that's sound advice. Okay, so you made a comment in there. You made a comment in there about giving back or engaging with the community. How important is it to give back to the community, at least from what you've seen? Yeah. So before, so you know, you hear that fairly frequently now in franchising circles. Maybe. And, and I don't think there's anything wrong with it being said every day, but maybe even to the point where you might be a little anesthetized. Okay. So it's so important because that's what people are looking for, your customers and your employees, is that you don't just care about 
your, you know, lining your pocket or building your bank account. It's really, really important. But the catch is it has to be from the heart. You know, you have to really want to meaningfully do something that's helpful in your community or, you know, kind of furthers awareness about the issues that your particular service might be addressing. Um, So I talk about that in, I call it Connect With Your Community, Chapter 4, under Pillar 1, Layers of Loyalty, Strengthen Your Business. So that's one reason why it's important. But another big reason why it's important and why it's under Strengthen Your Business is when things change, i.e., a competitor comes to town, and you know they will, comes down the street, or there's a down cycle in your local market, you know, check, that'll happen, or there's some weather event or something. The more goodwill, good old-fashioned goodwill that you've generated, the stronger your business, the more resilient your business is. And it's a byproduct of engagement, and I think it can make all the difference. I really do. So it builds loyalty with your customers. It builds loyalty with your staff. And it gives you some goodwill, you know, credibility and credit in your community so that when things do change and things do, um, you know, for example, let's say you get a bad review on online or you're on the news. I, I mean, I can use a real example. You know, my, my, my school was on the news twice and not in a good way, you know, not in a good way. But because I had done different engagement projects with the YMCA, um, with the different restaurants, um, you know, with the American Cancer Society, you know, nobody really didn't, didn't cause a blip in my business. My clients were fine. Um, my staff was fine. And, um, I, you know, the stories are in my book. I tell the good, the bad, and the really tough stuff. Adventures. Um, but that community goodwill is what helps that not impact your business. Because things happen, you know, it's just part of it. The, long, the longer you own your business, the more likely something will happen that you can't per se control. And that's when having a tactical nuclear weapon on hand can be really helpful. Never mind. Go ahead, Ray. <laughs> no, I, I, I think too many owners have their attention on the bottom line or themselves, and they really need to look outwardly and start thinking about how they can give back to the community and how they can help others. And it seems, at least for me, it takes the stress off of things, and like you say, that you know, the bad things, the big and the little things that happen. And as soon as you start having other people to consider you know, you know, starting with your own employees. Mm-hmm. I agree with you. It does. There's definitely a feel-good factor and good energy, and it builds teams. I mean, there's all kinds of good things that happen from engaging outward. Um, this particular aspect in my book, because it can only cover so much, 
of course, is about, let me tell you how it protects your business, excuse me, or strengthens it. But by definitely, in fact, you know, the other thing we know about franchising, pretty probably everybody that's listening, is that one of our challenges as franchisees, franchise owners, is to establish yourself as, hey, I'm a local small business. I'm not a chain. I'm not part of it. I am, you know, yes, I have this brand, but I'm a local small business owner. And local small business owners all over America for years and years and years have done things in their communities in order to help their success, but also because they care. So, you know, no shame in that either, you know. It's okay to make a profit. Okay, so question from the website is, uh, what, are the, what, what are two things that uh, a business owner can do to protect themselves from, as you said, negative things happening or make themselves more survivable for um, negative things happening? Two things. So I talk about being... I hope I'm heading in the right direction for the for the writer. I talk about being very accessible so that when somebody starts to spout off about something or lose their cool about something, you know, right away your managers can get in touch with you or let let the person that's having the difficulty know that they will be receiving a call very shortly after you apprise them of the situation. That can bring things down really quickly. Time and time, again, if I were to go out of town, as proof of what I just said, if I were out of town and I, were, and I was not accessible, when things happened, maybe it's a workman's comp or maybe it's a disgruntled parent or something, if I couldn't engage pretty quickly – then it got measurably more difficult to untangle. So being accessible doesn't mean 24-7, but being accessible. Being accessible and being, you know, visible. Not all the time, but at enough different intervals so that people know you're engaged in your business. People want to know that. So that's one. The other one I will take from uh, the gentleman that contributed in the book, um, it is what to do when bad things happen. Um, and he, this gentleman, I'm going to give you his name in just a second, Sharin Conti. He owns some hotel chains and some burger fries and, and now some rental centers with impact properties. So the hotel business you know, for the person that wrote in, you know, that's a tricky business because that's that 24-7 kind of business. So what he said, what he suggested, and I asked him to speak just exactly that question, he said they use a customer-centric approach. So when a mistake occurs, own up to it very quickly, very directly, and at the highest management level possible. That way we meet our clients' patients, even if we can't always control what happened. So what he's saying is probably three things, but one is you can't always control what happens, number one. Number two, you know, be direct, be succinct, 
But he right there is talking about empowering people um, to address and own up. That's what he's saying. Own up. That's a quote. To a mistake very quickly and at the highest level possible. So I thought that was great advice. Um, so diffuse, 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 I think is, and that's not in the book, but I think that's a big part of it. And so this gentleman and his family has been in the hotel business for, I don't know, at least two full generations. You know, one of his fears and their fears is about, you know, something happening and there's not a high enough level manager on and then another gentleman that I interviewed, uh, Golden Corral, highly successful Golden Corral franchisee named Eric Holmes, is those bad reviews online. What are you going to do, you know? Um, so just diffusing situations and owning up. So anyway, that was a long answer, but I hope it was helpful. Oh, I think it was great, although it didn't include one of my two, either of my two favorites. Ooh, let's hear cattle prod, cattle prod, and tear <laughs> gas. Oh <laughs> um, yeah, we used to say maybe we need to disenroll the parents, not the children, but we don't want to be cynical, <laughs> now do we? <laughs> I know you. You fire a no, tear gas so canister at somebody, they go away real fast. <laughs> Yeah. Ray? Oh, I love your well, questions. Are there any more? Oh, I, 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 I think <laughs> one of the things is you, you always want to be prepared for, you know, so start, you know, thinking about, as an example, what would happen if the office burned down completely? Well, you know, what plans have you got to replace that as a, as a small example? And then getting back to a little bit about Christy, what Christy was talking about is uh, if you have a difficult uh, customer, then you need to uh, acknowledge or answer that, whatever it is, as quickly as possible, and then tell them what you're going to do about it and when are you going to do it. And yeah. I would say 99% of the time, once you t- let someone know, uh, you acknowledge, okay, we we screwed up, and we're going to fix it this way, and we're going to do it tomorrow. Yeah, yeah. In in this chapter, I I do try to encourage the reader to think about the worst things that could happen. You know, what is what is what's the worst thing that could happen in your business? And and then I I say what my worst nightmare thing is. Was and this is this is not a pretty image. So hold on, but you know, in the early childhood education business or childcare business, it was that somebody would drop a baby. You know, that was my nightmare scenario. But I had the top five: leave a child on a bus, uh, have a staff member accused of molestation. You know, I mean, there's some pretty heavy duty stuff. But what I was encouraging, what I'm encouraging the reader to do is say. Okay, say so now it's your turn. List the top five worst-case scenarios that could happen to your business. List them and then tackle two of them this year. You know, if this happens, what would you do? What What is the procedure? And then also, of course, try to put more, more uh, you know, 
things in place so that it doesn't happen. But go ahead and pretend like, yeah, this might happen, and address it. What would you do? So if the building burns down, this is what we do. And if the building burns down and I'm um, in Antarctica, or I don't know, where where would you go, Ray? Probably not Antarctica. <laughs> go visit Fred. Tahiti. Yeah, actually, Tahiti. come see me. But I'd go to Tahiti and he'd if come I, and see me. So, yeah. Tahiti, 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 I can't even say it. And the building burns down, then, you know, this is who you call. And this is where the customer, how the customer um, list is preserved because we download it every Friday and, you know, blah, blah, blah. So you actually put those things in practice because that kind of stuff absolutely does happen. So I just suggest if you don't want to tackle two, tackle one. What can you do this year that's on your top three or five list of nightmare scenarios? And the building burns down is a perfect one to start on because Mm -hmm. that can happen. Or what if someone steals from you? You know, what are you going to do? I had mm-hmm. someone steal $40,000 from me over the course of two and a half years. That's in the book. Wow. You know? Yeah. I mean, mm-hmm. stuff happens. Over 15 years, a lot of stuff can happen. And and a lot of good stuff, too. But oh, yeah. anyway. Somebody steals 40 grand with you? Some, somebody steals yeah. 40 grand from you. That's when you need the, the cattle prod. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Fred, and the, and the time. Fred. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, you know, especially <laughs> it's all part of the adventures. <laughs> so now that Ray has actually become really good at telling me when we need to run commercials, I'll again thank the Lingo Local Network for broadcasting us. Remind uh, listeners they can uh, call in and ask questions at 323 580 5755. Or you can ask more questions on the website. And now, if I can get to my mouse, another commercial. Hey, franchise owners. Does the marketing that corporate provides for your franchise go far enough? Do you struggle to get local clients to call or come through your door? At Mediavine Marketing, we love working with franchises like yours to personalize and localize your marketing efforts through social media sites like Facebook or Instagram, in emails to your current and past customers, with Facebook or Google ads, and whiteboard animation videos. Contact Mediavine Marketing today at 805-265-5440 or go to mediavinemarketing.com. That's 805-265-5440. Mediavine Marketing. We know franchises and we want to help yours grow. And Ray, take it away. Well, um, I think what I'd like to do is get a little bit back to uh, Christy's book and ask her specifically, who do you think your audience is? In other words, uh, who did you write the book for? Yeah, I wrote it for franchisees and franchisors, but franchisors so that they would say, and see, wow, this is helpful information. This does not contradict, you know, what we're doing in our manual and our processes and so forth. This is the kind of stuff that we can't really teach in training class. So it's for franchisees 
primarily. Mm -hmm. So someone looking for a franchise? You know, definitely. So, yeah. So what I found was that people, you guys know this, people are curious about franchising. They're curious about the industry and the different segments that are out there and, you know, very many of them very interested in owning one. So this book, I think, is a great way to understand, you know, kind of, kind of, you know, what the real story is on the inside of franchising through various different segments so that they can certainly learn but also say to themselves, hey, you know what, I can do that. Yep, I can do that. That's, I'm, I'm up for that, and I understand what she's saying. Because what I found, and you probably find the same, is that there's no typical franchisee that exists. You know, there's different levels of education. There's different levels of business experience and certainly different kinds of experience. So there is no true level playing field. So I think for a franchisor, this can somewhat level that field for his or her, you know, new franchisees. And for somebody that's interested in getting into franchising, which I highly recommend, it's a great path to business ownership. This will help you to feel more confident about entering the field and certainly give you some good, you know, it's a playbook, really, a guidebook to grow your business that it's the kind of information that you won't typically find in an owner's guide but is certainly applicable, you know, for most um, franchise models. So, you know, anyone that's interested, Ray, and anyone that owns, and then surprisingly, I've heard from a lot of people who are independent business owners um, that say, no, no, I don't think this is just for franchising, Christy. This is good stuff. So I guess for them too, but I wrote it for the industry those who are interested in buying and those who currently own so that they can be as successful as they want to be, really, is what it comes down to. One of the terms I like to use is uh, fear factor. And do you think Mm. that reading your book helps with the fear factor uh, of opening a business, starting something? In other words, especially Mm -hmm. people who have been in in the work field, you know, for some time, and all of a sudden you find yourself out on your own, uh, does, is there enough information to help alleviate that fear factor from your book? Yeah, most definitely. And I do think that's a, a good point, and I, I, I use that phrase myself. Yeah, it will, in a huge way, re- eliminate or take down that fear factor. In fact, I use, it's motivational. Um, I tried to write it that way, and that's the feedback I've been getting. So many times I say, you know, if I can do this, you can do this. Um, You know, you've got this now. Now let's go to the next step. You know, now you're ready for this, you know. So it's different aspects to consider about the business outside of the operations. 
and ways to help your business be successful long-term. And those little scary kind of scenarios, the what if, it will alleviate those because it's all about what can you control and, and doing that. And then, of course, being strategic about it. But, you know, don't like to overuse that word. But, yeah, it, it absolutely does do that. All right, so, so here's go ahead. Well, I'll ask my off the wall question, Ray. And then you can be serious again. Um, <clears throat> so, <laughs> assuming your book is number one, what would be the second and third books you would recommend somebody uh, read that wants to um, be successful in business or franchise? Yeah, great. Um, I reference quite a few books in here um, because I found, I tried to every year that I owned a business, that I own my business, you know, to focus on a business book. So I really like Peaks and Valleys, um, and I, I quote it in here quite a bit. I like that because it talks about smoothing out the peaks and valleys, not just writing them. Um, and a I'm thinking. Oh, sorry. You know, I love John Maxwell's stuff. I mean, his great leaders or good leaders ask great questions or great leaders ask good questions. And I like that for franchising because I think what can happen is that suddenly you're a business owner, and it wasn't easy to become that in franchising. You know, you had to probably pony up a significant amount of money. You made sacrifices. You had to have some confidence to make this come to where it is. And now you have employees. So, the good leaders ask great questions. I thought for me was helpful because it took away that, um, I don't know, that sort of negative thought I had about, I don't want to act like I don't know this part of my business by asking these questions, but it's really important to ask a lot of questions about the numbers, about tell me about that table. You know, you don't have to know everything. And when you start asking your staff questions, of course, that does good things for them. They, they become more confident and maybe even more expert in the area that you're inquiring about. Um, but you get information, and it's not, you know, color-coded and biased, you know, hopefully. So I think that's a really good one. What, what, and, and there are some good franchise books for sure, especially for people that are looking to purchase. Um, but as far as general business, if you own a business already, I do like those. I think they can be applied to most any business pretty easily and make a big difference. Ray, what about you? Besides the honor you made to the which books would you recommend besides the owner's manual to the uh, Pillars of Franchising Mobile 
uh, broadcast studio. Of course, uh, the FDD. You know, you got to read that. That's not a book. Come on, dude. (laughs) (laughs) Stop (laughs) it. Well, true that. Well, I'm I'm, I'm going to. I'm going to uh, actually defer that to uh, something uh, in, in more general, and I think uh, any book on leadership is uh, extremely important because in this day and age, and I think that it's going to become more relevant as, you know, as time marches on, we've got to, uh, as uh, owners, be more cognizant of our employees and the fact that they are the bread and butter of our business. So I think any book on leadership or any courses on leadership are extremely important. See, for me, it would be Art of War by Sun Tzu. But go ahead with your next question, Ryan. (laughs) So (laughs) I'm going to go back to the book a little bit so Christy can talk about that and then uh, Christy, uh, don't forget to let us know uh, in the course of maybe answering this, que- this question how people can find you and your book. But I think maybe just you talk about the four pillars of uh, franchising and, and what are they. Okay. So we said, I think we were not on the air yet, but my four pillars do complement the five pillars that you talk about on your show, but specifically that third one, which is about growing your business, how to grow a successful business. So the four pillars that I developed as a framework when I owned are, number one, building layers of loyalty. And I talk about loyalty with your employees, loyalty amongst your client base, and loyalty in your community. And then with us in franchising, loyalty with your franchisor. That is really important. And I use the metaphor of layers because you might add something, and then if it's not working or not having the impact, then you take it away and try something different. But you're building a pillar year after year so that you'll have incredibly loyal people around you. And that's what I practiced, and I strongly believe in in that premise. All four of these, but pillar two is cut out strategic leadership um, Mm -hmm. to protect your business. So why strategic? Why do I use that word? Because you're typically, as an owner, You're just one person. Um, Maybe you have a partner, and that's wonderful. But if you're one person, you have a limited amount of time. Um, The the biggest resource, your most important resource, your time. So you have to be very strategic about who are you going to lead this year. You know, maybe it's a certain demographic of your employee base. Maybe it's a certain aspect of the community that you're focusing on. But pick one thing and lead strategically in each one of those segments that I just described, employee, client, community. So strategic leadership, protect your business. Um, and I, in, in there I talk about communication as the ultimate differentiator. Um, the third pillar is money metrics. 
And that's how we grow our business. So metrics meaning, you know, a, a basis of comparison. Where are you this year? Where exactly do you want to be next year? What is your industry standard for expenses? What is your industry standard for payroll cost? You know, kind of basic stuff, but not everybody employs those. You own a franchise, guess what? Your franchisor has metrics. Ask for them. Tell them why you want them. And develop some specific metrics so you can plan your growth this year. So in that pillar, I talk about controlling expenses, adding efficiencies, minor metrics for revenue, um, and competitive advantage, creating that and, and refreshing that every year. And then the fourth pillar is method management. Um, not a new term, um, but in this context, I'm talking about focusing your business, you know, really being laser-focused on what you're doing this year. It's so easy to get distracted, but that includes accountability. I, I have a chapter called Meetings Aren't Sexy, but Accountability Is, um, Planning Your Profit, this is how you sleep at night, and then thrive through the peaks and valleys, you know, a nod to that book, um, but being highly focused. So that's the framework for it. So for me, the bigger challenge was being really uh, mindful of exactly what did I need to accomplish this week, this month, this quarter, this year, but planning it in advance and sticking to it. And by doing so, then you can have those same expectations on your staff. And that was how I grew year after year. Maybe there was a year where I came up even from the year before, but, you know, there was only one or two. So I ended up, I don't know, over a couple million dollars a year um, in revenue and, you know, sold and did really, really well when I sold. I'm sorry, guys. I dropped the phone, but <laughs> but I mean, was out in the hall. I'm still I'm still <laughs> at the office. But the four pillars give people a framework and something besides the owner's manual um, that they can, you know, plan their their attack with and execute. So that's what the um, that's what the focus of the book is. But it's not written in a do this, do that way. It's, like I said, kind of a business tell-all. I share a, hopefully a funny or kind of a gut-punch story in every chapter that happened to me, good and bad. But I also share in every chapter I focus on one top-performing franchisee and what their advice is. So there's exercises. There's a lot of good stuff. And, you know, it's maybe like four or five hours the read something like that so I think it's I think it's a really I think it's a necessary book in the industry it's not something that's out there currently um, and I think it'll have a pretty long shelf life I used a lot of super current examples it was just published in October but you know I don't ever use bad franchising examples but I talk about Chipotle I talk about United Airlines you know something bad happened to them uh, I talk about um, food poisoning at Bluebell Ice Cream, you know, current stuff. So I think 24-year-olds and, you know, 74-year-olds will relate to it. 
I like your phrase of plan your attack. That's why I'm a fan of Art of War. <laughs> so, as Ray said, um, uh, we'll start running out of time here, so we want to make sure. How do people okay. get a hold of you? How do they find you? Oh, so my website is my name, Christy, that's with a Y, C-H-R-I-S-T-Y, Del, um, Wilson Delk. Dot com and the book um, Four Pillars Approach or Adventures in Franchise Ownership you can find um, online um, pretty much you know any book any site you like to search and also um, you know in a lot of local bookstores but if they don't have it ask them to order it so um, I really appreciate the opportunity to talk about it that's this has been awesome really really great. Um, but yeah, it's time. out there. And I, I and my time. email is. <laughs> I had a great time. It's Christy at ChristyWilsonDelk dot com. But if you go on my website, I have my cell phone number and everything, so I'm very accessible. And you know, I love I love franchising. I love helping um, people be more successful. That truly is what drives me. And, um, you know, I'm here for them if they just want to talk about a problem or an idea, you know. So don't hesitate. We're going to have you back to talk more and, and, and see if you'll help us with our book next year, Pillars of Franchising. Um, so, awesome. Ray, we're going to talk. Thank you, Christy. Thank you, Christy. <laughs> so, you are next welcome. Up, Next up is Holly A. Ford with what really is a unique selling proposition. Oh, that. Hi, this is Holly Ford from Zarian Firm. Trending this week in franchising, the advantages of a seasonal business. There are many seasonal opportunities out there, including today's example. Our example is Santa Claus. Santa's work is distinctly seasonal. He works one day a year and has 364 days off. He then has others doing the work behind the scenes while he recoups in Tahiti for the rest of the year. Yes, Tahiti. In Tahiti, he makes cash managing weight loss seminars and running yoga classes on the beaches. But since there's really only one Santa, Let's look at some other seasonal opportunities. Tax businesses generally run strong from January through May. Lawn care and landscape design, depending on the geography, April through September. And of course, educational tutoring and pool management during the summer months. Those are just a few of the many seasonal opportunities that are available. And obviously, many of these businesses attract retirees and educators as owner-operators. But what most don't know is that these businesses can be semi-absentee managed, even absentee managed, giving owners great additional streams of revenue. So if you'd like to learn more about being Santa or just learn about what seasonal businesses can bolster your bank account, contact me through the Pillars blog or send an email to holly at zarianfirm.com. Now for today's two-minute topic, melts in your mouth, not in your hands. What really is a unique selling proposition? In 1941, M&Ms used a patented hard sugar coating that kept the chocolates from melting. Packaged in cardboard tubes, they became part of the soldiers' rations. Melts in your mouth, not in your hands, became the tagline because no one in the world can make the claim that their chocolate did not melt in your hands. M&M 
truly had a unique selling proposition. Over the years, we have seen many more USPs grace the world stage, including Anison with its secret ingredient caffeine, FedEx overnight delivery, head and shoulders, and even Domino's pizza deal of 30 minutes or it's free. Virtually every marketing department puts a great emphasis on finding the USP. Truly though, if you have to look for it, you don't have it. A real USP is obvious. It is a key indicator that the business has what it takes to surmount the competition. The business then can reap the benefits of a higher price point, larger market share, sustainability, and of course, even the magic to create the buyer's needs. When you're buying a business or a franchise, don't just look at words such as only, best, strongest, fastest. Take a deep dive and look closely at the business's personalized service, their speed and effectiveness of their results, complete packages, strong guarantees, and products that uniquely fulfill a customer's needs. For help finding a business or a franchise with a unique selling proposition, comment on the blog or contact me at holly at zarianfirm.com. Next week's two-minute topic is entitled The Fab Four, The Four Dominant Franchise Industries. Finally, today, our highlighted franchise of the week is Medici Neapolitan Pizza. Medici is the first Neapolitan pizza franchise in the U.S to introduce a true, authentic, fast, fine dining experience. Keeping with tradition, it is the heart. It has a heart in the middle. It's a handmade wood-burning oven imported from Naples, Italy, and it brings friends together and unites across barriers. This, right now, is an excellent time to get in the door for a fantastic price. Contact me for resale opportunities in your area at holly at zarianfirm.com. If you have any questions about today's topic or any other question regarding franchising, email me at holly at zarianfirm.com and we can cover it in a future episode. This is Holly Ford of Zarian Firm on Pillars of Franchising saying, see you next week, same bat time, same bat channel. Wow, Holly. Thanks for knocking another one out the, out of the park, right? We had a good show today, didn't we? Absolutely. Have fun. Um, gets, it gets better and better and better and better. And I just love this stuff. Um, next week, we got a couple of more great guests. And then uh, the week after that is uh, we're going to have, uh, as part of our uh, franchising in Chicago, we got a, a great guest coming up, a local franchisee who you haven't met. So, on that weird laugh, uh, let's hear uh, from our last sponsor. Zarian Firm International Business Brokers is truly unique in the business resale space. While the average business broker uses one standard multiplier across all businesses and industries to value a business, Zarian Firm is the only business brokerage that looks at the five factors of distinction in each individual business. This gives our sellers a true value and our buyers a fair price. Zarian offers sellers the choice of three marketing packages based on how quickly they want to sell their business, but all of our businesses sell 33% faster than the industry norm. Zarian Firm International Business Brokers connects premium investors with validated business opportunities. 
So, Ray, any last words of wisdom? Stay warm. Oh, that doesn't <laughs> apply to you, does it? <laughs> no, I don't, I don't. Well, actually, when I was lying on the operating table uh, with a 40 beat pulse rate of 40 beats per minute, I was freezing my butt off. So I, I will agree, stay warm. It's always important. <laughs> Thanks, folks. We had a good time today. We'll be back next week with another hopefully great show. And as Ray said, stay warm and be at peace.